All right, folks, this is Josh Schlossberg with the Green Root Podcast, the official podcast of the Eco Integrity Alliance, eco integrityalliance.org. This is the second of a two part podcast where I am giving commentary on articles written about our recent campaign around wildfire and forests. So the first article was a Denver Post article that came out last week. Took a while to get them to report it, and they finally did, and it was pretty good. Now this other article came out just today, I believe, or maybe it was yesterday, and it's from the Colorado Sun, and I'm just going to get into it and read it. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, that would make more sense first, but it doesn't matter. This article under environment, should Jeffco, which is Jefferson County, forests be thinned, 25,000 acres of trees would like to know. So the issue here is a bit more focused on this, the county lands as opposed to national forests. And I suppose the Denver Post one was too. Maybe the secret really to this was getting these local projects known as opposed to these theoretical national forest projects. Anyway, county leaders asked to approve the first plan in 34 years to handle a large swath of trees amid growth, fire danger, and climate change. Okay, so this here. So the the front page photo when you go to their main website is actually of a big ugly clear cut. So good on them. Uh, I think that's fair journalism because that's what it looks like. A lot of timber industry leaning publications like in Oregon where I used to live would never do that. They would never print that. They're like, well, that's really unfair to show the worst of the thing. They haven't been brainwashed enough yet by timber industry here in Colorado because it's not been a huge issue for a while to hide that. So we'll see how long it takes. So then you go to the, the article itself, and there's another clear cut at a different place in Meyer Ranch Park. That one's not as big and bad. All right, Meyer Ranch Park, with a small grove of nearby aspen at 8,200 feet just starting their color conversion to yellow, Steve Germain straddles the border between a healthy, fire-resistant slope and an overgrown tinderbox. Okay, so just like the Denver Post article that started off with a propaganda sentence, this is an awful, awful sentence to begin with. So, man, there is a, there are three, I would call them lies. Some people would say inaccuracies. Others would say they're debatable. But straddles the border between a healthy, so one's healthy, one's unhealthy. No such thing as, as that. Fire-resistant slope. Definitely not. You can never use the term fire-resistant when you're talking about the forest. Incorrect. And an overgrown tinderbox. So this is basically like a timber industry press release thus far. Awful beginning. Poor journalism. Pure propaganda. <laughs> As Germain looks up Legault Mountain, on his left are dense private swaths of mixed ponderosa, fir and spruce forest, letting little light shine through at 300 trees an acre. Notice even that it's like, well, oh, this forest that's dim and moist, like, like there's something wrong with a darker forest. <laughs> On his right or a dozen acres of Jefferson County open space land thinned aggressively this summer to 30 trees per acre. 
So interesting, thinned aggressively to 30 trees per acre. That's basically a clear cut. 30 trees in an acre, <laughs> just thinned. It's like, um, yeah, so I ate the whole chicken. There's only bones left. It's I thinned it. No, you ate it. Just weeks after the last tree skitter departed, the aspen grove uncovered by the thinning is sending out tender shoots a foot tall. In a few years, the aired-out aspen grove may triple in size, supporting a return of dozens of wildfire species, hummingbirds, finches, and blue jays, yet none of which like forests. Uh, so... Uh, and I know this area that they're talking about. This is a different area. I tried to get to it, but it's surrounded by private land. Uh, so there, it's giant meadows all around it. Huge, like hundreds of acres, if not more, thousand acres of meadow all around there. So the idea that, well, there needs, we need to cut more of the forest so there can be a place for a wildflower. Wow. All right, fall leaf peepers could stop here instead of joining the late September hordes westward atop Kenosha Pass. They could stop here in this logged out forest that's actually impossible to get to because it's surrounded by private land. So a lot of bad, I feel like I'm being mean, but this is a lot of bad journalism. Uh, the terrain here is tricky and not just because some of the slash from clear cutting is still underfoot. All right, next photo is a bunch of logs, cut logs, thick logs. These look like a foot in diameter or more, maybe a foot and a half. And then there is a guy touching a plant, which is nice, okay. Uh, Jeff, Jeffco Open Space owns, now this is a, this is a, either a typo or just she didn't know, owns 25,000 acres of forest, that's not true. So it's oh, maybe even millions of acres, I don't know, a million acres, I don't know. 225,000 acres is the area that they have deemed to be feasible to thin. So that's not the whole forest. It's So that's inaccurate. And I pointed that out to her, but two people wrote the article. So whatever. Uh, and has a new plan to severely trim, which is an interesting phrase. Oh, but this is the same thing that happened before. Anytime you're like, why are they using this weird language? Severely trim. There was another thing of like forest tree cutting because the propagandists at Jeffco, and they told me this, said, logging is an emotional term. Don't use that. And the journalist's like, okay, sir, oh, severely trim. It's like, it's a logging operation. And there are logs here that are ready to be carted away. So that's propaganda that you might not realize, but that's what's happening. It is logging. It is absolutely 100% logging, and you can use all these euphemisms. Uh, it's nonsense. Foresters want to mitigate fire dan danger, or want to try or think they are mitigating, whatever, in a county mostly made up of the dangerous wildland-urban interface driving public safety policy. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. The forest is dangerous. Now, this feels a bit hyperbolic, but I suppose it is true that you, yes, uh, homes near forests, there is danger to it, but it doesn't feel right. <laughs> they also want to restore ecological diversity. Well, they're claiming to lost in a century of natural fire suppression by who? Oh, by the timber industry. They were the ones who said, don't let the fires burn because they wanted to cut the trees. And now they're like, 
hey, I know we were wrong before, but now we need to cut the trees because we didn't let the fires burn. And rapid county development. It's good they mentioned development. So again, it's this idea of like, we are both making these giant hideous fuel breaks because it protects communities. And it's also ecologically the best thing that can happen. It's like, you got to pick a lane. And the truth is neither of those are true. Definitely not both at the same time. The new forest plan, Jeffco's first in 34 years, goes before the county commission for approval Tuesday. I don't know if that's 100% true, if they're going to decide on it Tuesday or not, but uh, that's when I've been trying to get people to come out to speak for that, or I'm just going to do it online because I'm not going to walk, drive and walk into a place for three minutes. But early thinning efforts in the plan have been attacked on social media and by petition as catastrophic clear cuts that ruin the aesthetics of open space. Man, okay, so all right, I'm going to just be kind here. I think this is the first time they've written about this issue, these two journalists. And so they're, they're not really sure how to use the language about this. But uh, anyway, attacked on social media. I mean, come on, man. And by petition, right, I start a petition, whatever. That's, I mean, that's true. But attacks uh, as catastrophic clear cuts. I mean, I guess we're saying that. I, I, we never used the word catastrophe, but fine. That ruin the aesthetics of open space. So that's the part that bugs me. The idea that says, it's just not pretty as if the ecological argument isn't driving this, as if this isn't about the fact that this is a false sense of security that does next to nothing at best and very likely makes the situation worse. So real misinterpretation. I don't know if that's intentional or not. Quote, visitors are seeing a fresh wound, said Jermaine, Natural Resources Supervisor of Jefferson County Open Space. Forests don't operate on human time spans. There's short-term ugliness, just like a patient coming out of surgery. We need the public to agree to tolerate that. Do I even need to respond to that? If you're listening to this, you already know uh, what I'm going to say. Jermaine and his staff say that they're prepared for the debate. An open attitude <laughs> lauded by wildfire experts and social scientists who have watched similar controversies play out in Boulder County and other front-range battleground. They're prepared for the debate by hiding these projects and this being the first that has ever been mentioned because they never sent out a single press release to media or contacted the public about it at all. Their peers across multiple levels of government agencies may also want to settle in for the blowback. The U.S. Forest Service in January declared growing wildfire dangers a, quote, crisis, announcing plans to work with partners like Jeffco to thin 20 million additional acres on Forest Service property. And this, these numbers aren't accurate. That's too high for, uh, well, they're talking about across the West. All right. And 30 million in other federal, state, and local tracks. All right. That may or may, that may be accurate. One accelerant to the plan will come if Jeffco and other Colorado agencies win grants from $5 billion in bipartisan infrastructure law spending set aside for fire mitigation. I believe that's true. But Sandra Carpenter, whose home abuts Flying J. Ranch Park West, noticing these a lot of the same players because these are the folks that I gave as context to both these enti media entities, uh, says she's waiting for the grass and wildfires to sprout near swaths of forests that were cut by Denver Mountain Parks in 2020. 418 acre flying jay, blah, blah, includes Denver-owned land, treating it Meyer Ranch and other open space near growing communities to protect against fire was a high priority for Jeffco and Denver Mountain Park. See, again, the journalist is treating this as if for sure it protects against fire. That's the problem we have with this whole issue is just like, now oh, these crazy ecologists are coming out there because they think they want things pretty. 
um, when this protects against fire. And it's like, uh, our main talking point is it doesn't protect against fire. A uh, photo of, I guess this is uh, sort of a cut or meadow. It's hard to tell on the left. And then there is Sandra walking on a trail. Flying J used to be a place Carpenter would go to escape the summer heat, but since the cut, she said, has become much hotter, exactly. She has switched her running route, avoiding parts of the checkered park where chipped away trees and mulch-covered ground alternate with areas of dense forest. Notice how they throw dense in there. Some parts of the forest are dense. Some parts are not. That's not a bad thing. Dense forest is not a bad thing. Those sections of the trail have become, quote, too upsetting, and now she runs back and forth from two parking lots where trees are untouched, she said. Now, she doesn't run in the parking lots. That's a confusing wording, but whatever. It looks like the park has mange because of all the bald spots with the weird random spots where there are a few trees, Carpenter said. Rooms with a suddenly different view, subheading. Carpenter is about one of 280 people who have signed an online petition urging Jeff... Yeah, not a ton of people. I don't have a, a lot of infrastructure in this county, sorry. But uh, urging Jeffco officials to stop thinning hundreds of acres of forest across the county in the way sections of flying... Jay were cut. Uh, I don't want them to cut them at all, but organizers of the petition created by grassroots environmental group Eco Integrity Alliance claimed the thinning dries out forests by opening stands to sunlight and wind and could allow flames to spread faster. So that's accurate because she basically uses our exact quote there. So good for her. She didn't try to reframe that because uh, that's the facts. The petition cites scientific journals to discredit the thinning across 150 acres of forests along blah, 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 as a way to reduce wildfire risk. Managing fuels across the West is inadequate to address a, quote, new era of wildfires fueled by intense winds and high temperatures, one of the studies cited in the petition says. Very good. Instead, they promote, so it took a while for them to get our perspective, but instead they promote focusing on creating defensible space around homes by clearing trees and vegetation. It's only a small part of it and right around homes. They don't say that, but okay. And replacing wooden fences and roofs. Fences. I don't know if that's really a main concern. With less flammable alternatives, pointing to a 2000 study about the U.S. Forest Service. Thank you. That says these changes give homes 95% chance of surviving a wildfire. Very good. They got that in there. I don't know why they need to be like, they said this study. It's like, just like, just quote the study, right? This isn't about our saying what a study says. It's like, say what the study says. The steady buzz of the masticator chipping trees not far from her home in March 2020 was the first carpenter had heard about the thinning. See, it continued through the end of the year. Ever since, she's seen few, fewer deer in the park and is currently fending off chipmunks that have chewed through the wires of her hot tub and lodged themselves in her ceiling. They just displaced a ton of wildlife, she said. Sorry, Sandra, if you're listening, I'm not laughing at your woes. I'm just laughing at uh, the realities. Uh, they said in two to three years, it'll be this beautiful meadow of wildflowers and grass. And, you know, I'm waiting. So far, it's still just mulch. Josh Schlossberg, this guy sucks. Colorado's steering committee member for Eco Integrity Alliance is calling for more investment of state and federal funds into providing homeowners incentives for hardening their homes and protecting their space from wildfire, along with the preservation of forests, calling it, quote, the most effective and easiest way to address the climate crisis. Thank you for quoting me. Uh, accurately, yes. This past summer, the group funded a billboard in downtown Denver demanding President Joe Biden, Senators John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett, and Representative Jonah Goose, quote, stop wasting $3 billion to log national forests. Thank you for mentioning the billboard. What's happening is we're using the public lands as the sacrifice zones. We don't think any of this tree cutting should be happening on 
public lands, Schlossberg said. It's not justified scientifically or ecologically. That is my take on it. Uh, I'm glad they allowed that instead of twisting it into, they just want certain kinds of magic thinning. Schlossberg is earning those concerned with Jeffco's plan to attend the county commissioner meeting Tuesday. No one will attend. It's 8 a.m. on a workday where officials will discuss the plan. The county plans to apply for state and federal grants to fund the project and cost estimates range between 1,800 to 10,000 an acre, depending on terrain. Yeah, and I did the math. I mean, if you do 10,000 acres for 25,000 acres, that's uh, $25 million or $250 million. It's a lot of money. <laughs> but yes, that's the highball. Not every acre would cost that much. And they probably won't thin all 25,000 acres. Uh, the portions of Flying J that have raised the most public ire are actually controlled by Denver. It's a mountain park system, which cooperates with Jeffco when they have adjacent land. Well, this is interesting here, so I didn't know about this. We got the short end of the stick at Flying J, said Andy Perry at Denver Mountain Parks. Program manager for forestry and natural resource. We were dealt a very unhealthy forest on our uh, two sections. Uh, it's the same forest across the, the board. They just did a much heavier cut. And I bet you I could get the photographs proving that, but who cares? Thick lodgepole stands on Denver's portion of the property were plagued. Oh my God, plagued. It was a play. It was COVID. It was COVID. By beetles and dwarf mistletoe, two naturally occurring forest uh, things, which grow in the canopy and effectively places a tinderbox high in the forest. Any journalist who ever uses that term tinderbox for a forest is inaccurate. So Denver simply had to remove more. Sim so Denver simply had to remove more. This is factually factual. Creating the shorn land look that riled many visitors. Right, because that's the only issue. Creating the shorn land look it's not a look. It is shorn land that disrupted the soil and mycorrhizal fungi that, that compacted the soil, that displaced wildlife. Those are all factual statements. This is not cool. They have a photograph of the sign that they put up by the clear cuts that say healthy forests aren't always pretty. And then like this rationalization for why they did it. So I'm glad they included that absurd sign. And then there's a picture of some other plant. Sorry, I'm not a botanist. <laughs> we try our best to contact neighbors. We try our best to contact neighbors, but it's just me and two others in our program, Perry said. Really? There's three people in all of the Denver Mountain Parks that they manage. I don't believe that for a second. Um, reaction ranges from extremely upset to extremely grateful. He added, I try my best to explain the science and we're not here to sell timber. Our wood is basically worth nothing. Uh, why don't you scroll back up to those photos of the logs that you're selling? So I, I know that they sold timber. I got the names of the two timber companies that they sold timber to on the property. Um, they also sold firewood and I'm not sure if they did anything with the chips, but a lot of places would be used for biomass. So, and the truth is, they need to cut merchantable logs to pay for this a lot of the times. Hiker Donna McCary from Lakewood walked past Jermaine at Meyer Ranch's thin patch as he explained how sunshine was now reaching the ground and coaxing aspen shoots out of the soil. Uh, well, here's what's funny. I was actually on the trail today because I led a hike there, a quote action hike out to there so people could write comments afterwards. And 
I talked to one person out there who was doing the hiking, asked her what she thought of it. And she, you know, she, what she actually said was, I mean, I don't like it, but if the folks in charge say it needs to be done, then it needs to be done. And, you know, she said, but my, the biggest bummer is that there was this whole grove of Aspen that they cut down. So this whole thing is like, we're going to, we're going to make more Aspen and they cut down Aspen says the person who hikes there all the time. So how absurd is this, right? McCary, who used to live in Telluride and misses the luxurious fall Aspen stands there, said she has bypassed by my ranch frequently on her way up to 285 to leave viewing trips on Kenosha or Granola Pass. I'd love to use this one, she said. Yeah, right. No one in no one is going to come leaf peeking peeping in these hacked up forests. You can see any of the forests. You don't have to even have a great eye for it to see the management that's been done. It's it never really returned. I don't want to say never, but it, it will take like a century for it to return to anything that resembles natural forest. No one wants to look at that shit. If you're using that as the argument, right? Um, I'm trying to point out the ecological and the wildfire stuff, but they're like, you know how everyone is concerned about how it's ugly here? That's the only concern? Well, uh, actually, this is going to be the prettiest place. No. The back door to wildfire. I'm really mean in this, aren't I? Yeah, sorry. This is just hitting a little close to home. The back door to wildfires, subheading. I know this is a long article. At least they wrote a long article and tried. The draft forest plan underlines sprawling Jeffco's reputation as the, quote, front door to the Colorado mountains. Yet the artificially... I might have to contact the journalist because this is really bad. Yet the artificially dense conifer forests... I can't send this podcast because I'm very rude. The artificially dense conifer forests, artificially dense conifer forests, are also the backdoor to wildfires. Oh, I bet you they, they loved how they made that turn of phrase. Threatening millions of front-range residents. Since the late 1990s, the Buffalo Creek, Hayman, and Lower North Fork fires have devastated devastated oh my god those those natural fires are just devastating because they're never no trees ever supposed to burn large chunks of the wildland urban interface in the county granted these were big big hot fires in uh areas that climactically are very hot and dry sending desperate warning signals to the 572,000 people now living there up from about 430,000 the last time the forest plan was written in 1988, who cares? Some of the new Jeffco analysis was accomplished by pouring over 1930s aerial photos. It was snatched out real at a time when, through clearing and grazing, Jeffco ranchers had created wide meadows and forests with an open understory. Yeah, they created that. That, that, was, that was the artificial landscape. That's an ecology Germain and his foresters believe would be healthy to replicate in spots, minus the cattle. So they're acknowledging that this artificial snapshot in time that was created by ranchers is what they want. It's like they have a vision of how forests should be. Not those dense, natural forests. Ew. For decades since, native ponderosa pine that used to be rejuvenated by natural fires have been overgrown with a denser mix of conifers best suited for other elevations and terrain. No. No, just no. Dead lower branches and windfall from lodgepole spruce and fir create a ladder effect that when wildfires hit, blows intensely hot fires up into the canopy and across miles of home dotted hillside. 
once again, these fires are driven by dry conditions, by high temperatures, by wind, low humidity. So the fuel itself is only one component and arguably almost, I wouldn't say irrelevant, but the fact that these four fires burn through clear-cut areas and through neighborhoods suggests that is not the issue. So it's really, they're just like, all right, if I'm going to take one side, I'm going to, I would rather err on the side of the authorities. And that's, that's what, that's what they do. I may have to speak to this person. Eesh. All right. Um, okay. And since most problems in the West eventually come back to water, Jeffco has to plan for its role as the host to much of Metro Denver's precious drinking water sources. Okay. Jeffco... Jeffco encompasses the watershed for 80% of the Denver metro area's needs, and previous wildfires have forced costly reservoir cleanups and hillside revegetation to eliminate silting from runoff. Yeah, the giant fires, which will burn regardless. You're not, you're not doing anything. Photo of Steve Germain, the Jefferson County guy I connected them with. Uh, accidents and the influx of neighbors largely removed one forest management tool, prescribed burns. Foresters burned 1,600 acres from 99 to 2012 when winds blew up a dormant prescribed burn and launched Lower North Fork fire, which killed three people, destroyed or damaged about two dozen homes and forced thousands to evacuate. It's funny, I heard from a guy on the hike today about that. I didn't know that that was also a prescribed burn. Um, that's what happened in New Mexico, too. Recently, a prescribed burn created the largest fire in New Mexico history or recorded history. And prescribed burns are debatable. My issue with them is only when they're connected to thinning, as in logging, when they prescribe burns on their own. Because there isn't a direct profit motive, I'm more open to them. But it's like, why can't we just let the fires that burn burn instead of doing all this nonsense? Then Governor John Hickenlooper ordered a halt to all prescribed burns on state land. So Hickenlooper is now a senator, so at least he knows that. Ever since, many jurisdictions have operated with strict rules on open burns, and some will only burn slash piles when adequate snow cover insulates the piles from breakouts. Uh, part of the new Jeffco forestry plan, Jermaine says, to put county residents on notice that some form of prescribed burns will be sought in the near future to help handle the volume of necessary, necessary tree work, you know, according to him, necessary. So they're like, guys, there might be big fires, which this does nothing to stop, but there, we have to burn the forest, even if it creates the largest fire in state history. It's like that eliminates the whole purpose of any of this, right? Like the idea is like, well, if we don't burn it, it's going to be a big burn. Well, you just created the biggest burn in state history. Maybe just let it burn when it burns then. The Jeffco Forest Draft uses careful formulas to rank open space most in need of fire mitigation careful formulas, according to who. It then layers on top areas. It then layers on top areas. It then layers on top areas that des desperately need the ecological diversity that can be launched by thinning invasive species and opening space for crowded out gems like aspen grove. So you notice they'll pick like one species, like, oh, well, this is great for this particular tree species. We have to destroy all the other forest. Oh, but look, this one kind of bird likes this. 
uh, deer sure like this meadow. Um, and it's like, yeah, what about the other dozens, hundreds of species you've displaced? Uh, I wish the journalists knew how much they were being bamboozled here. So again, it says like, it's also the, the ecological diversity. It's everything is good. The fire prone and ecologically challenged areas. Ooh, that is the stupidest phrase I have ever heard in my life. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say this five times just so we never forget. Ecologically challenged. Ecologically challenged. <laughs> All right, that's enough. So what they're, so ecologically challenged should be like, oh, that forest, that clear cut is ecologically challenged. They're saying that the forest that is there is ecologically challenged. Holy cow. What I might do is I might go through the article and I may highlight just the, all of the nonsense and just send it back to the journalists. Thinning retracts the forest roof for aspen, native wildflowers, flowers, flycatchers, and snails. Whew, those snails really, you know, that, that's that's definitely the main the main concern. And Jeffco's important threatened species, the Pawnee Montane Skipper butterfly. So they picked one butterfly, but guess what? I know a person who takes butterfly photographs around these parks and she's very upset about the logging and she says she's seen less butterflies. So bullcrap. Those are the markers we'll be looking for. We'll be looking for snails. Hey, yes, we have clear cut tens of thousands of acres of forest. We have displaced countless species. The soil is compacted, eroded, torn a piece. But look at these snails. Guys, look at the snails. These are markers we're looking for. Meyer Ranch Park recovers from its 2020 thinning, Jermaine said, stopping to point out thriving late summer wildflowers I almost feel bad for the guy who has to be out there and justifying all this to media. It must be, it must, I genuinely feel empathy for somebody like that. And standing tree snags left as housing for squirrels, owls, and snakes. So they left a few trees. That's nice. Uh, if any, if a loud voice falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? This is a long article. It'll be over soon. Hannah Brankert Smith watched some of the same thinning versus perception dynamic. It's thinning versus perception. So it's, the good thinning that's pure and ecological and wildfire versus the crazy perception that there's something wrong with it. Dynamic play out. Man, terrible. One of the worst articles I have ever read on this issue. <laughs> uh, play out during a 2460-acre cutting program on Arapaho-Roosevelt National Forest Lands around Nederland. I was aware of that. And I was the only journalist in the state of Colorado to write an article about what was going on. I wrote it for Boulder Weekly. And uh, no one else had written an article about it. The plan included, you know, now thinking about it like this, biased forest bigot wrote an article. It's like, go read the article. It was pretty darn balanced. Uh, the plan included a public conflict resolution process, which Brinkert Smith later studied from her position in the Environmental and Society Program at the blah, blah, who cares. What we found is that the people who are in opposition were actually in the minority. Brinkert Smith, now I want you to listen to what's going to happen soon in this article. What we found is that the people who were in opposition were actually in the minority. So first of all, only the majority should make any decision about stuff. Uh, the majority of people don't have a damn opinion one way or another, but they're just really vocal and well-organized. Um, we are not well-organized. We're a handful of people, and we haven't been able to get any attention on this. They get a lot of attention. 
amazing, incredible. I wish. Forest manager, so how, how how biased is she? She's like, well, we're trying to really, you know, bridge the gap between. And it's like, there's minority people who don't know what they're talking about are dominating the arguments. Like, really? The argument that all of these projects got pushed through. <laughs> Forest managers, the research work with, were often braced for much more overwhelming opposition that never really materialized. Well, which is it here? Are they vocal and well-organized or was there hardly any opposition? Yeah, there wasn't much because people don't have time for this and they don't know about it. One of the things that I think is really important, quote, is not to assume what the public is going to think. Also, not to let loud voices shape the narrative. Interesting. So are, are we allowed a loud voice? What that's saying is don't let the ones, the few people who have the time and energy and the access to the information to have any say in the matter. And that's, and she's, this is the person who is about the, um, who is claiming to be the person who is about having a middle ground here. And she's saying, don't listen to these idiots. Uh, she is a propagandist. You actually have to go out and, all right, now listen very clear, carefully. You actually have to go out and find out what people think. And not just the people who have the time and the motivation to show up at everything and to write all the letters and to harness their social capital, but the silent majority who tends to be supportive. Um, well, we'll get to this in a second. They actually explain it. But here's the funny thing. Um, you actually have to go out and find out what people think. And they admit it a little bit in the article. I don't want to spoil the punch, but uh, Jefferson County didn't uh, announce any of these any of these programs. <laughs> so she's like, you can't let the loud voices, um, you know, and then you go out and you got to find what the people think. But they went out of their way to avoid it because they knew what they would get. And if you go and you actually ask people, they're not a fan of this. There are plenty of people who are, but they're also the people like I talked to at the park who was like, well, if the authorities say so, then it has to be. It's also true, she said, that there can be a divide between users of public lands who live far away and don't have to live daily with ugly thinning projects in the views of neighbors. That's, that's a fair point. We just don't know if there's some kind of threshold of proximity. Obviously, people have sentimental attack. Oh, this sentimental. She's very, they're very sentimental about these forests. It's like these people are so anti-ecology and anti the science of wildfire that it's really upsetting. Those attachments sometimes reside in neighbors with powerful voices. And here it comes. Uh, another another clear-cut photo and then some wildflowers. Nature photographer John Fielder said he was shocked when Josh Slosberg from the Eco-Integrity Alliance called to tell him about the thinning of Flying J Ranch. So John Fielder is the state's number one nature photographer. He has a giant gallery. He is very well known. He is older guy. And I didn't even get in touch with him initially. So John Muir Project had co-written a piece in the Denver Post with him. And so I've been in touch with him and I let him know about this Jefferson County stuff. He said he had been drawn to the place by its fertile, dense forest in 2012 while photographing all 43,000 acres of Denver's mountain parks for a project. So he's been to the Denver Mountain Park. 
So there's 43,000 acres. Remember the, the entity they said they have three people working for? They have a whole foundation. I've pretty much been over every acre of Colorado's 66 million acres in the last 50 years, and I get emotional when I think about how to best move forward and protect the extraordinary ecosystems that I've had the pleasure to visit and photograph, Fielder said. The, quote, overgrown forest. So finally, after <laughs> piles of propaganda from the propagandists and the journalists, we get into the counter argument. The overgrown forest premise behind land managers and the federal government's logging provisions is being questioned by the scientific community, Fielder wrote. Fielder wrote in an op, Denver Post op-ed that was co-written with research ecologist Chad Hansen earlier this year. It's funny. So they quote... Uh, John Fielder said that it's being questioned by the scientific community. Why don't you just point to the scientific community? Um, most scientific studies have found that denser forests tend to burn less intensely when wildfires occur, they wrote in their op-ed piece. Like, we didn't just, just go to the study. How lazy can you be? But it's a way of deflecting it. It's like, Instead of just preventing, presenting the science, they're like, well, that's very uh, anti-establishment. Uh, they're like, these hippies think that the scientists said a thing. Okay. Uh, Fielder has denounced federal and state funding to thin the West Forest and urged officials to spend more money to protect at-risk communities like those that fell victim to the Marshall fires that raced through grassland, not for it. And that is our winning argument right there. No one can say a damn thing about that. You can pretend forests are evil and they're monsters, and, but boom. Put the money towards doing the thing that everyone knows works. He remembers watching from his home south of Kremlin as capricious 65-mile-per-hour winds on a dry and hot day in October 2020 stirred up the East Troublesome Fire, the strong winds fueled by global warming. Well, the winds themselves are not fueled by global warming. Have changed the landscape, and, and Fielder isn't saying that, but this is just what they're attributing to the thing, whatever. Have changed the landscape and how we must address wildfire risk, he said, arguing that thick forests could help slow down a fire. I'm sure he didn't say that the winds are... Uh, uh, well, all right. So the strong winds and then fueled by global warming. So the heat has changed the landscape. So maybe that's what they mean. And that's true. That thick forest could help slow down a fire. Exactly. Oh, remember those horrible dense forests that we all hate because demons live in them? Uh, trolls. It can slow down a fire. Exactly. It is critical to be able to understand what's happening and to go 20 years in the future and be able to protect what it's going to be like so we can make change. And part of that is fire science, Fielder said. Forestry officials may also be misguided in assuming that every single neighbor's highest priority is protecting homes from wildfire at any cost, said Flying J neighbor Carpenter. I, yeah, well, that's not the exact quote from her. I think they missed interpreted that, but the forest didn't overtake us. This is her quote. We overtook the forest. And with that comes responsibility and acceptance that fires happen. She said, you get insurance. You don't remove the open space because you were afraid that a fire is going to burn down your house. Well, yeah, it also doesn't work. Uh, Brankert Smith gives credit to agencies with the foresight to bring in outside advice on communication, mediation, negotiation with articulate emotional voices from the community. God, S we just laid all of this science down and they're like these emotional, these emotional science readers. Foresters are foresters, not social scientists. The biggest enemy in this is Brankert Smith. I don't care for her. 
they're not always trained to engage with the public. And it's a special skill set that takes time and patience and energy to shut the public up. She didn't say that, but she meant that. And the ability to take the perspective of the other, which is not easy. Yeah, no kidding. You can't do it. All public officials have experienced the frustration of holding a year of public education events only to see last-minute opposition sweeping in to say, you never warned us, she added. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really, really? Uh, there was a treatment for Emerald Ash Borer near her own home near Boulder Chautauqua Park with signs up for a year and a half explaining what would happen and why. Um, yeah, I lived in Boulder, and the signs were like on individual trees. Still, when the trucks showed up to take down the trees, everybody freaked out. Jeffco Open Space did not, man, she is extremely biased and she has no business in the business of interfacing between industry and the public. She is industry propagandist number one. I'm going to keep an eye out for that person. Jeffco Open Space did not set a round of public hearings or exchanges over the comprehensive new forest plan. Let me read that again. Jefferson County Open Space did not send a round of public hearings or exchanges over the comprehensive new forest plan. Let me rewind to that other piece of the article. Okay, so remember when Brankert Smith was saying, you actually have to go out and find out what people think and not just the people who have the time and the motivation to show up at everything and to write all the letters and blah, blah, blah. So then we go back to this whole piece. Jeffco Open Space did not set a round of public hearings or exchanges over the comprehensive new forest plan. Interesting. They didn't even tell us. You can't just listen to that minority of people that might be tipped off by information and then get other people to be concerned. That's why they hid this. That's why it is important that as terrible as this article is. Um, despite offering our perspective, just like the authority voice of the journalist being pure timber industry propaganda here, um, the thing Jeffco wanted least of all was for this to even get discussed. They did not want this to be talked about. So that's a victory in and of itself. The public here in Colorado doesn't have enough background in logging to know what's good or not. So that's going to be a long slog. And it's so interesting that it's like, it's about, so in their minds, the majority, but then they'll be like, oh, well, that's a mob rule. It should be about the science and the information. And even if there's one dog who shows up with a study hanging around his neck, that should be included if it is relevant. Jeffco Open Space did not set a round of public hearings or exchanges over the comprehensive new forest plan, relying instead on the upcoming commissioner's consideration to air out major issues. The commissioner, one of whom sits on the board of the wildfire propaganda entity in the state and county. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And I've said this before. Jefferson County is one of the most corrupt places that I have ever lived government-wise. Uh, even in Oregon, Timber Company it's not as good old boy network as here. I, when individual thinning projects are scheduled, Jermaine said, Jeffco makes direct contact with neighbors. Oh, do they? To explain the scope of the nearby work and why it's necessary. Except for the neighbors that I spoke to said the only they've, time they heard about it is when the machine started machining. So incorrect. Or in other words, they're lying. The county also broadcasts 
the project on social media with links to the details and the science behind the plan. Oh, their Facebook page with 32 likes. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, we used to host public meetings. We used to host public meetings to advertise forestry project, but they weren't well enough attended for us to feel we were reaching a critical mass of residents. Hence, he added the intensified social media effort. Yeah, right. There was no, I never, ever saw a post on that. And I follow this stuff. Um, wow. So we used to host that, but they weren't well enough attended. Just the people who didn't want these projects. We will only host these if a bunch of people come who agree with what we're doing. This is bad, man. This is really undemocratic. Uh, despite the human nature for ignoring early meetings, never heard about them. You admitted already that you didn't announce anything other than posting on your Facebook page. Imagine I said that. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you know, I had a, I had a party. Uh, I posted on my Facebook page or like, I, yeah, I got married. Oh, you didn't see that post on my Facebook page? Huh. Despite the human nature for ignoring early meetings, there's no human nature. That's such, there's no substitute for regular education outreach and trying to reach that silent majority. Yeah, the silent majority doesn't want logging. They just don't know about it and don't have the information to do anything about it. If you're going to do a big forest plan, start talking to the community early and often. Well, they sure as hell didn't. So this is Michael Booth and... Olivia Prenzel. And together, they wrote one of the worst articles I have ever seen on this issue. And I'm saying that despite the fact that I was quoted in it, that a lot of the folks that put out our perspective were quoted in it. So I do appreciate that. But the way that this was framed as industry is correct in every circumstance we're not even going to do like what the Denver Post did, which is admirable, which is like the position of the, these people is the this. That's You should do that. I'm, I'm in favor of that kind of journalism. They shouldn't be, their points shouldn't be hidden. They should be laid out there because they're stupid and they're easy to debunk. But in this case, they just take their side as if that's true. And then these, and then these hippies who like to look at things that are actually ugly it's like, oh man. So I give this article a D. I give the Denver Post article, eh, I might give that an A minus, man. Like just in terms of journalism. So I'm speaking as a journalist right now, to be to be completely honest. Because the the thing that's riling me is not you notice I when the other side is quoted, you know, I'll I'll be annoyed with it. I'm and I'm kind of play acting because it's fun. But um you know, and I'll refute and I disagree with them, but they should be quoted based on what their nonsense is. Um, and it would be nice if a journalist could provide the information to debunk that, but that's what we're doing. But instead, they're using their language inside the narrative like of their, their article. And so this article, in a sense, I, I wouldn't say it does more harm than good because it gets the discussion out there, but... In terms of an objective piece of information, not just making suppositions because certain sides say it and based on the science, it's a D. It's a D. So that's all I got. 
hopefully this was interesting and maybe even amusing to you. Obviously, I, I have fun with this sort of stuff. And thanks for listening. Thanks for liking trees. And um, yeah, we gotta find this. Uh, we gotta find this Brinkert Smith person. <laughs> Take care.